Before we get started, ESPN in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omar Production present Moxie Bets. Make bets with Moxie with betting expert Katie Mox and her merry band of gambling insiders as they preview lines, spreads, parlays, and props with personality and the kind of advice they would give themselves. That's Moxie Bets. Listen wherever you get your podcast. Also, he was the face of the New York Yankees and the most admired player in baseball. The captain tells the story of Derek Jeter's life and Hall of Fame career. Catch episode two on Thursday, July 21st at 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN and streaming on ESPN+. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my man, Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark, this is going to be a great show. We're going to talk about what happened last weekend between Yair and... uh, Yair and Brian Ortega. We're also going to talk about the gold jackets from ABC. We tap in and tap out. Plus, we are joined by Patty Pimblett. And, dude, Islam Makhachev finally officially gets his title fight. But first off, Ryan, how you doing, my friend? You're in Arizona. It's so hot down there, right? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. Listen, we're in AZ. We're here for the DB Precision uh, retreat camp. And so I'm excited to be here. This is actually, honestly... This is the same place I did our very first remote show because we did a show in <laughs> Vegas. I came out here to do the DB Precision Retreat retreat the next week, and I did the show from the bathroom, bro. Yank, my wife, set me up in the I bathroom. I was sitting outside. We have come a long way. We've come a long way because now you're on ABC, bro, and you're getting gold jackets. Now, gold jackets are reserved for two things. One, old school ABC broadcast when they were the best in sports, and now we're back to being the best in sports because because we got you on there, and you get them for the Hall of Fame. You, my friend, are a Hall of Famer, and you've worked at ABC. What was it like to get those gold jackets? It was crazy, RC. It was, it was, it was like, I, I, grew, I was a kid from the 70s, so we understood what the wide world of sports was. We remember those guys with their yeah. gold jackets, Al Michaels, John Madden, uh, and Howard Cosell, so many others. And it just meant mm-hmm. the world to me. And honestly, there is something to looking uniform. It did not look bad with all of us looking a bit uniform as we were up on television. It was a great night. It was a real tip of the cap to the people that have really laid the foundation for what we all do. Um, you was also in Mexico. Though. This dude was in Mexico. Like I said last week, Michael Leaves had the greatest party I think I've ever seen in my entire yeah. life, dog. How was Mexico? <laughs> Man, Mexico was good, man. It was, uh, I actually got in the pool. I, I don't like to swim. I got in the pool. I got in the ocean. Uh, I'm five shades darker. And uh, I was just ready, man, to, to get back to work with you. I have one thing about looking uniform, though, DC. You actually took off What's your that? jacket during the broadcast. You had to be free, man. You had to be willing yes. and ready to move around. I saw you Whoa. on the side of the octagon a little bit with the jacket off. Right. You know why? Because... For as great as the jackets are, we use the same exact suit company that made the ones back in the 70s. So they were a little bit like, you know, like thick. They were a little thick and the big boy does sweat quite a bit. But ultimately, the jackets were great. But we were there to watch two of the best featherweights in the world fight. Gary Rodriguez Mm -hmm. versus Brian Ortega. Now, here's the thing. The fight ended very anticlimactic. Ortega separates his shoulder. The story is the freak accident that happened to end the fight. But I asked the question, 
Was it really an accident? Because the only reason the accident happened was because Jair put him in the submission attempt that he had to defend. And while defending, his shoulder separated. So should this fight have been called a TKO? Or should it have been a submission by Yair Rodriguez? When you look at the fight, I feel like Yair Rodriguez is getting the raw deal in this. If he doesn't put Brian Ortega in that position, then he doesn't, the freak accident or whatever we're calling it, doesn't happen. It wasn't like Brian Ortega was throwing a punch and he threw his shoulder out trying to hit Yair Rodriguez. You look early on in the fight, he was connecting on the feet. Brian Ortega obviously wanted to make it dirty, wanted to continue to come forward. It got into grappling against the cage. Then he gets the takedown. But Yair Rodriguez was doing a great job of fighting off of his back and searching for submissions. And as he was searching for that arm bar, Brian Ortega trying to dislodge himself, his shoulder comes out of place. And so to me, that's a win for Yair Rodriguez. And I think that should set him up, at least in my estimation, to get an opportunity to fight for the championship against Alexander Volkanovsky. You know, it was a it was an unfortunate situation. Yair actually started fighting very well on his feet. He was doing a really good job of landing. So when Brian got that takedown, he thought he would find comfort there because Ortega was supposed to be the better grappler. But Yair is very tricky off of his back. I agree with you completely in this regard. He put him there. It should have been a submission victory for Yair Rodriguez. Unfortunately, the top of the division is not as clear. Because the champion Alexander Volkanovsky has lightweight title aspirations. And then we hear uh, that Alexander Volkanovsky, when presented with the idea of an interim title, is like, okay, because I want to fight the winner of Islam versus Charles Oliveira. That leaves Josh Emmett and Yair Rodriguez from last weekend. What do you feel about an interim title fight right now for the featherweights? Because the champion just had the most dominant victory and the trilogy that I've seen for a real long time. So what, is it, what does it feel like to think a month after, not even a month, we're talking about interim titles? I, I don't like it. And, and here's why I don't like it, DC, because here's what the conversation will start to be. Can Yair Rodriguez or can Josh Emmett beat Max Holloway. We know that Alexander Volkanovsky is the greatest and he's, may, he's maybe the greatest at all time in the weight class, but he's definitely head, head and shoulders above the rest of the, the, the division. But we feel like Max Holloway is right there. And so now, if we elevate or if we take away the title from Alexander Volkanovsky as he works waits for the winner of Islam Makachev and Charles Oliveira, then we're saying that Josh Emmett or Yair Rodriguez becomes the champion. If that happens, does now Max Holloway get another opportunity to fight one of these men? And so as, as, as much as I love the fact that Volk will get an opportunity to step up and fight one of the best in the world or fight the best in the world at 155, him vacating his championship because of that, when he said, I'll keep both divisions busy, is, is, is something I'm uneasy with because he earned that title. He earned that championship. And having aspirations to get another title, which we saw Conor McGregor do back in the day, shouldn't take that belt away from him. You know what I think they would do, though, is I think what they would do, Ryan, is make an interim championship. The interim title becomes what Cyril Gaon had. You remember when Cyril Gaon was going to Francis? It was champion versus champion. Mm -hmm. But every mm -hmm. the champion won the belt five months ago. It's essentially a glorified number one contenders fight, right? Because the ear's healthy. Josh Emmett's going to be healthy. The champ's having surgery, but also wants to go up. So I think it's a way of them 
making everybody happy by putting a belt on the line. Yair's not upset. Uh, uh, Josh Emmett's not upset. And then you got the champ doing what he ultimately wants to do that's trying to become uh, a two-division champion, and he's not getting punished for it. So uh, I think it works for all the people involved, and it also gives that champ the chance to go up to 155, which is something I don't know you really want to do. You could be great in your own way, but to go fight Islam or to fight Dubronx, that's a whole nother beast. But Saturday night, we also saw, Ryan, what I believe was the greatest comeback in UFC history. And it was a Louisiana guy, oh Matt Snell. Gosh. Dude, it was crazy. And listen to my reaction while Matt Snell was actually getting the finish after getting almost killed three times prior. Take a listen. Oh, this is when I want to start throwing stuff. I didn't know that my voice could go that high. <laughs> did you did you forget you were broadcasting, bro? Like, did, did you totally forget that you were on TV? Oh. I'm going to tell you, it made for such exciting TV. DC, you were oh. everyone in the world that was watching ABC <laughs> at the time. There, listen, my son is FaceTiming me like, Matt Snell is out, Pop. It's over. Oh, no, he's coming back. Like that, that to me, and we were on the group chat tech, uh, texting about it, is the greatest comeback I've ever seen. He was beaten up in the first round. He was out on his feet multiple times in the second round. And then he sticks that right hand, continues to fight. They get to the ground. He submits him. I thought it was it was amazing. It was, to me, the fight of the night, the, the, the round of the year that ended in the comeback, <laughs> the best comeback I'd ever seen. Dude, it was crazy. Matt Schnell was getting finished over and over and over. Like, his body was stopping, Ryan. Like, he was like, he was going like noodle leg. The dude's like elbowing him. Dude's landing left hands. I could not believe it. But as you said, I was everyone that was watching. I just had a headset over my head. Because I was excited to watch, and I couldn't believe it. And then he told Dana White, he goes, November, I'd like to get back in there. I walk right over to Dana and goes, greatest round I've ever seen. But I don't want to see him fight in November. Because you can't take that type of damage and then turn around and fight four months later. You need to give yourself a break if you do that. Because you got to remember, Snell got knocked out in his last fight. So to get knocked out, then to go through this, and then all the stuff he's dealing with. His mom passed away, all that Let's uh, let's give him a little bit of break and let him bask in this. But trust me, greatest round of the year, greatest comeback I have ever seen in UFC history. But that was last weekend on Long Island. Because if you say in Long Island, people will get mad. That was last weekend on Long Island. This time we go across the pond. We go back to England as we watch the, the guys from Europe fight in London. This is a massive spot for Tom Aspinall because he is going to fight against Curtis Blades. A lot of the questions about Tom Aspinall is rooted in, can he fight the wrestler? Can he fight and defend the guy that wants to take him down over and over again? We will get those answers this weekend. But there's also another guy that is going to be fighting this weekend. He's fun. I love him. I think he's like the great, <laughs> he looks like the great Owen Hart, a young one. 
Let's go one round now with the king, Patty Pimblett, all the way from London, England. Patty, what's up, my man? How are we, fellas? You good? Good, good. Pretty good, my buddy. How you feeling? How you feeling good, right now in just good. a few days from stepping in the octagon again in front of the people that mean the most to you? Because the reception you get in London is like nothing we've seen in a long time. Yeah, it's it's spectacular when I step in there, lad. Uh, there's nothing like any a feeling when I walk out. The, the energy I get when I walk out is just unbelievable. And I can't wait to make that walk again and get another fast finish. You know, Patty, you've been extremely exciting in your first couple of fights um, in the UFC. And we've gotten to see your personality. After uh, going into this fight, what do you feel like you have to prove so everyone in the UFC or all the fans know that this isn't a flash in the pan? You're a guy who can one day become the champion in the UFC. I just need to keep winning. That's the main thing, keep winning. But I like to be exciting, lad. I like to put on a show for the fans. I'm not, I don't want to sit on top of someone for three rounds, lad. I'm, I'm coming in to take his chin home with me, lad. I'm coming in to knock him clean out in the first round. You know, Patty, you and Jordan Levitt, right? It's a bit of a, it's a great matchup between two young, talented fighters. But what are your thoughts on Jordan Levitt? What is your, like, I mean, he said he's going to derail the hype train. What are your thoughts on Jordan mm. Levin at a as a fighter and as a real specialist? He's a ground guy that wants to fight on the ground. Yeah. How do you feel about him in this matchup? I, I think he's... Uh, I know a lot of people call me overrated and say I'm not that good, but I think he's overrated, lad. I'm going to show that there's levels to this. There's levels to this MMA, lad. There's levels in the UFC, and I'm a level above him, lad. I'm going to show that I'm not a flash in the pan, and I'm going to finish him in the first round. People are saying, oh, it's going to be an exciting grappling match, but I'm a much better grappler than him. I am so much better on the floor than he is. Like, he hasn't got hands, you know what I mean? He hasn't got a set of hands. He can't strike to save his life. He couldn't finish his dinner, you know what I mean? He finished Matt Wagon, <laughs> who, who should, should be retired by now. I can remember watching the Ultimate Fighter season five. I would have beat him back then when I was, like, 15, you know what I mean? The, the other kid that we submitted... The other kid that we submitted in the uh, with the reverse triangle was a fat featherweight. You know what I mean? I don't understand how people think Jordan Levitt's good. I, I'll be honest. I think Luigi Venzamini and Vargas both knock him out if he fought them. But, you know, people like to talk about me saying, like, I can remember when I fought Venzamini, everyone said I'd get knocked out. When I fought Vargas, everyone said I'd get knocked out. Now everyone's saying I'm going to get submitted. We'll see. We'll see one week when I prove everyone wrong once again. Shut the haters up and prove all, me, all the people who've backed me right. Oh, man, listen, I love that. Speaking of people who back you, it was totally electric the last time we saw you and Molly and Tom Aspinall on the same card. And so I expect some of those same type of fireworks on this card as well. But you seem very confident that you will win this fight against Jordan Levitt. What's the next step for you? What can we expect from you in the octagon after you finish this the way you want to? Who's next on the Patty Pimblett list on his way to trying to be a champion? Well, everyone always says this to you, who's next, who's that? Well, I don't care. I don't mention anyone's name. People talk about me, you know what I mean? People talk about me because I'm the boy. I'm the new kid on the block that people can't keep my name out their mouth. Just like hand sanitizer boy using me for some clout, everyone uses my name for publicity. Even Logan Paul was using my name for publicity the other day. You know what I mean? That's how big of a deal I am. I've got YouTubers talking about me who can't punch to save their life. Patty Pimlet. I think that you're fun. I always wonder, 
where you guys, you European guys, you guys are so confident. I've never in my life met people that are as confident as early as some of you guys. But one thing I got to ask you, I'm a big boy, Patty. You've seen me during my fighting <laughs> career in camp, out of camp. I could be a tad bit heavy. Some people want to give you a nickname. They call you Fatty Patty. What's up, Fatty? What's up with the massive <laughs> weight gains and the weight cuts? Are you just enjoying the time in between? Because I know that's why I did I it. Just, I just enjoy life, lad. Know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to be ripped all the time. I'm not one of these people that oh, look at, look at my body, look at my shape. I don't care what my body looks like. No matter what, I can fight. At the end of the day, whether I'm a fat bastard or I'm in shape, I can fight. I can still knock people out and submit people. It doesn't matter what I look like. Like, even that picture there, you know what I mean? I'm about 88 to 90 kilo there. I just, I mean, I still have abs, but I have a big chubby face. And people can call me all they want. If it, if it was a woman, though, they'd be getting getting called fat shamers. So don't worry when I step off the scales on uh, Friday. I've got a little message for everyone. You will have a little laugh at it. Don't worry. You know, Patty, I'm listening to you. Oh, at the heaviest when I was in San Diego, we got up to two oh five. Yeah. Holy cow! <laughs> I'm someone like you, Patty, lads. What I is? Enjoy, I was enjoying that in and out burger and that Popeyes and them slushies, lad. <laughs> Popeyes. Hey, listen, we're from Louisiana, bro. We know about Popeyes. Popeyes, listen, if you get you some red beans and a biscuit and a two-piece dark or white spicy, oh, you are winning. So you are my kind of so guy. I'll Patty, be honest, I'm listening I'm to you, I'm not the though. biggest fan of the biscuits. Not the biggest fan of the biscuits. What? But I'm a big fan of the chicken. Yeah, I'm not the biggest <laughs> fan of the biscuits, to be honest. They're a bit mad. Man, you know yeah, what, Patty? I'm going to let that slide. I'm going to let that slide, but the biscuits are amazing, bro. Like, I think they, for I, they forgot to drop our gravy know. off last time, and I wasn't happy you need gravy with them biscuits. <laughs> Patty, where does where does this confidence come from uh, for you? Oh, it, it, it seems that every time you speak, you, you, you just exude this confidence that you understand the type of skills that you have and what will happen inside the octagon. Where does that come from? Everyone always asks me this, but I'll be honest, I really don't know. I don't know where my confidence comes from. Um, yeah, a lot of people mistake my confidence for arrogance. When I'm not arrogant, I'm just very confident in my own abilities. I think my strongest part of my game is my mental side. Like, nothing will ever break me. You know what I mean? It's me, me heart and my mental side is what gets me through fights and everything. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not even confident in other walks of life. You know what I mean? And everything else, I'm not that confident. But I know I was put on this earth to fight in a cage, beat people up and entertain people. That's just what I was put on this earth to do. And I'm going to continue to do so till I can't do it no more. I'm, I'm going to leave a mark on this sport, just like Ronda Rousey, just like Brock Lesnar, just like Conor McGregor. You know what I mean? That's what's happening. Love it. I love it. Patty, my man, thank you so much for coming on the show. I got thank one you, thing for you before we let you go. Put some honey on the biscuit, Patty. If you put a little Ooh, honey, ask yeah. him for a honey packet next time. Put some honey on the biscuit, Patty, and you will never, ever say anything negative about Popeye's biscuits again. <laughs> Thanks again, my man, and good luck this I weekend. Will be safe. Thank you, brother. RC, the big fight, the one that we've mm -hmm. all been waiting for, Makashev versus Oliveira became official last weekend. And I know my reaction. 
And I know how much you love Islam after doing the interview with Islam. What was your reaction? I know your jaw hit the floor. You celebrated, right? You ran and you and Jordan, you guys hugged because you were happy for our friend, Islam Makashev. First no. off, he's not our friend. That's first and foremost. He's a friend <laughs> of the show, but he is your friend, DC. This would be like this is like the equivalent of of I don't know of Troy going to another Pro Bowl. Um, you know when 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 I, when I thought about it, DC, uh, the bottom line is it was the right thing to do, right? You know, so, sometimes sometimes there, there there are fights that are made, and it's about the excitement, it's about the build up to the fight. And then sometimes fights are made because you need to decide who the baddest man at 155 is. And this is that type of fight. Um, I was excited. Uh, I was so excited that, you know, I, I went back and watched other Dubrox fights to, to just see how he's continued to grow because I believe this is going to be his toughest test to date. As the champion, um, Islam has, has has a better striking game than people give him credit for. But we know what type of grappler and wrestler he is. And what I've seen from the Justin Gaethje's and the Dustin Poirier's were even when you had a shot to put out Charles Oliveira, you were scared to attack him on the ground because of his ability to submit you. And Islam Makachev Chev won't have that. So I was extremely excited that this fight was made. I believe it needed to be made. And my first thought was, I know DC right now is dancing and he's doing his dance here and he's here and he's giving you the Carlton because he is excited about this. <laughs> and so DC, what do you think? What do you, I know you're doing the dance. What do you think? What type of, what type of problems can Islam Makachev pose for Charles Oliveira, who has truly been dominant in his recent appearances in the octagon. Well, you got the two guys in the division, Ryan, with the greatest win streaks. Both of these guys are on double-digit win streaks in the weight class, and mm -hmm. they both look like absolute savages. The opening odds came out, and Makashev is a 2-1 to -one favorite over Charles Oliveira. Yes. And I think where the biggest yes. issue comes is, like what you said, people were afraid to follow Charles to the ground. Not this guy. This guy will follow Charles to the ground. This guy will be able to grapple with Charles on the ground. And this guy's top pressure is what I believe will ultimately be the one of the bigger issues for Charles Oliveira. Um, and Makashev doesn't make as many mistakes. You know, for as good as Gaethje is and for as good as DP is, when they're in there and they get somebody hurt, they'll make mistakes to try and find the finish. And when you do that, that's when you put yourself in trouble or end up stuck on the ground. Even Dustin, he said when he would hit Habib, he would kind of get anxious and it could be, would take him down. Mm -hmm. You can't do that mm. against Islam. And I believe Charles's Charles's desire to go forward always and to pressure and engage may ultimately be one of the issues that he has because Islam's sticky. And when he gets too close, he'll take him down. And his top pressure is so heavy. They say wrestlers are the ones that can kill jujitsu. And I believe that is where the issue is going to be for Charles Oliveira, if there is an issue for Charles Oliveira. Yeah, I'm excited about this fight, DC, because when you think of some of the best fights we've ever seen, styles make fights. And these are two guys who believe in pressure, two guys who believe that they can fight both on their feet and on the mat. And I believe that's what we see happen. How do you see this fight going 
though, DC. You you said the 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 way that Islam could pressure him, the fact that Islam is sticky. Do you believe or do you see Islam as the better fighter and feel like the odds are correct mm. in saying he's a two to one favorite over the former champion Charles Oliveira? Yeah, you know, Ryan, you technically said that right. But it sucks that Charles Oliveira is not the champ. That dude's the champ. We know it. Everybody knows it. Like, he is the champion of the lightweight division. They got him for, like, 0.2 pounds, which is an absurd number to take a belt from someone. But when you get to the matchup, I think we'll see a lot of grappling. I think we'll see a lot of very, very in tight engagements. I don't believe that Islam will play the game with Dubronx at range. Because if you do, he's going to sleep. There is no mistake about it that yeah. if... Islam is too far from Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira is going to get him. Islam will need to be close, getting takedowns, and really engaging with Charles in one of his best areas, and that's in the jiu-jitsu. Now, last week, Charles Oliveira finally got what I believe that he deserves. He was named the SB MMA Fighter of the Year. Congrats to Dubronx, a very, mm -hmm. very special fighter and kid. Um, we gave him last week our first part of the year Fighter of the Year. But we have to go now yeah. and make some predictions for what the rest of 2022 will look like. So my first question to you is, Ryan, and I think this one's ridiculous. The heavyweight champion at the end of the year is going to be who? Francis Ngannou. That's the champion. Um, I think I think when, right? you, when you look at the the heavy look at the heavyweight division, um, if we see a John Jones Stipe uh, Miocic fight, I don't believe either one of those guys gets an opportunity to be the champion, and we won't see Francis for a while. Obviously, become recovering from his knee surgery, and so I believe as we walk in to 2023, Francis Ngannou is still the heavyweight champion of the world in the UFC. Absolutely. Like, we are completely in line on this one. First off, I don't know if Francis will be able to fight before the end of the year to lose his championship. Now, are we talking interim champion, heavyweight champion? Maybe. But in terms of who the real heavyweight champion of the world will be, it will be Francis Ngannou, the predator. Ryan, this one you should be good at. Bold prediction for the rest of the year in the UFC. My bold prediction is this. And maybe it's not even maybe it's not even that bold. Alexander Volkanovski will be the champion at 155. I, I believe now <laughs> the only the only tough part about that is him getting an opportunity before the year ends after a Charles Dubronx and uh Islam Makachev fight. But my bold prediction, and it may have to be early 2023, is that Alexander Volkanovsky is the champion at 155 pounds. Oh, that, that's a good one. The reality is this, though. Um, I just don't know if the timing will work. That's the only reason that I that's don't think yeah, Volkanovsky exactly. will at least challenge Yeah, for the championship. just It's just the timing. Unless, hey, unless somebody's clean coming out of October. If they're clean coming out of October, hmm. I could see them trying to Make a fight by December. Um, my bull prediction. My bull prediction. My pro prediction is this. Sean O'Malley will fight someone in the top five by the end of the year. I think Sean O'Malley okay. is ready now. I think Sean O'Malley will fight someone mm. in the top five. And if he gets through that one, he's going to find himself in the championship fight very early in 2023. But Ryan, now you know what time it is. As it is every week, it's time to tap in and it's time to tap out. So, Corporate Jake, on that God mic, hit us with it. 
Following his win over Jack Shore this past weekend, Ricky Simone went out and called out Sugar Show Sean O'Malley. So DC, tap in or tap out on Simone as O'Malley's next opponent? I mean, I tap in in terms of the matchup, but it's not happening. <laughs> Dude, you watched Ricky Simone last week against Jack Shore and hit with his fighting style and where O'Malley is in his career. I don't know why O'Malley would fight him now. I think O'Malley's on the bigger and better. Munoz was nine when they were scheduled. And as I said, I believe he'll fight somebody very highly ranked the next time he steps to the octagon. Yeah, I tap out on this. I believe Sean O'Malley at least showed enough in that second round to say that he deserves to fight a higher contender, if not rematch against Pedro Munoz. Uh, I think when you're Ricky, you're thinking to yourself, this is the guy to call out because I know he has the juice right now, but the UFC is not going to make this fight. Neither is Sean O'Malley. Jake, hit us with the next one. Speaking to Brett Okamoto earlier this week, former UFC lightweight champion Frankie Edgar is aiming for his retirement fight later this year, and he has one name in mind. Take a listen. You know, I'm, I'm never one to call anybody out or pick anybody. I, I, I usually let that UFC and Ali kind of figure that out. But I'll say a name just because I think uh, it's a more of a legacy fight, you know. And I know he has a fight coming up and everything. And, you know, who knows how it could happen if it go down. But I think Dominic Cruz, you know, he was uh, he was a champion at, at 135 when I was a champion at 155. You know, pretty much top of the division. I think that could be an interesting fight. But, again, he's got a fight coming up, I, got, I believe, against Cheeto, so. So, RC, tap in or tap out on Edgar's retirement fight being against Dominic Cruz? I tap out. And here's why I tap out on this. Much like DC was tapping out or didn't like the Cowboy Cerrone-Jim Miller matchup, even though they were two older guys, that's kind of how I feel about this. When you listen to Dominique Cruz talk, Dominique Cruz is talking about continuing to climb the rankings and get another shot at the title. I don't believe that's where Frankie Edgar is anymore, especially after some of the brutal knockouts he suffered lately. So I tap out on this fight, DC. I tap out. I believe that these guys are in different places in their careers. Dominic mm -hmm. Cruz is fighting like yep. the number three or four ranked guy in the world. The guy wants to still become a champion while Frankie's talking about a retirement fight. Frankie's been great. We love Frankie. would love to see him compete again in New York City, but I don't need to see him fight against a contender. I need him to fight someone else and hope that he can get a victory on his way out the door. Corporate Jake, one more. All right, guys. Earlier today, DC's episode of the Pivot Podcast, hosted by our own RC, yeah. dropped. DC had some things to say about allegations that he was mushy. I'm mushy now. Back then, I wasn't mushy. <laughs> well, I'll show you some pictures. Yo, Let me see one. Well, you think when I was... you were mushy? As a heavyweight champion, yes. When you were the champion. As heavyweight champion, I was a champion. You were still when mushy. When I fought Stipe, this out... Yes. I might have been a little mushy. <laughs> so, DC, tap in or tap out? You were the best guest the Pivot Pod has had to date. Let me tell you something. Ain't nobody like DC. I'm tapping in. That was a good episode. It was fun. The guys uh, yes. made it very easy to just be myself. It was a great time, but ain't nobody been better than me. Hey, I'm at the I'm at the tap in on this. For for me, I always say it's it's a wonderful thing when my worlds get to collide. To to talk to DC the week he goes into the Hall of Fame, for him to be so gracious, but for me to know that he was just being himself, to be comfortable, to give the world that part of Daniel Cormier. It was just a true blessing to the show. So I'm tapping in on that, man. And everybody, y'all need to go check that out. Y'all see DC a little differently. He don't have the gold jacket on on that one, but it was a great time. They got to see the side that you get to see all the time, Ryan, that people close to me yeah, get to see man. where we're just kind of hanging out. It felt like a hangout. Guys, thank you so much, Ryan. Yes. Thank you so much for taking time, man. Every week we have a great time doing this. You're down in Arizona. 
get back out there with your nice tan self. Teach these dudes how to cover somebody. And then, guys, <laughs> every black, week bro. we're here, every Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. Hey, hey, hey. Every week we're here. You know what I'm saying? The fights are getting better. The show is getting better. I enjoy doing this with my partner, Hall of Famer Daniel Cormier. Remember, keep tapping in with us. Never tap out. We're going to be here every week, every Tuesday, anywhere you get your podcast, even on ESPN2. I'm RC. That's DC. Be good. <laughs>